This morning, we are in week number three of a series, Seeing Jesus, and we are looking for ways we can see Jesus in everyday life. Uh, honestly, there are times, I think, in life when seeing Jesus clearly is difficult. Uh, there are things I'm sure you don't understand. There are things that I don't understand about what God is up to. There are times when I wonder, God, what is going on? Why is all of this happening. There are questions that people ask me. Uh, quite honestly, I just don't have an answer to. How do, you, how do you answer questions like, why did my little one die? Why is my wife sick? Well, why can't so-and-so break free of that addiction that they have been fighting and fighting and fighting? Even Christians wrestle with, you know what? With all the religions in the world, is Jesus really the only way? Uh, I have per heard people that have grown up in church say, you know what, I think the Bible is an important book. Uh, I, I, I've read some of it, but is it really 100% accurate? Weren't, weren't people involved in like writing some of that down? Is it, is it really 100% true? When you look at current events even, isn't it hard sometimes to know why God would allow the things to happen that we see every single day? Where is God? Why would he allow those kind of things if he truly loved the world? If you have ever had any of those thoughts, don't worry. God is not going to strike you dead. All of us, I think, have had thoughts like that, and we know not, God's not going to strike us dead because we've all had them, and here we are, and here we sit. Uh, I want to look this morning at a fairly common miracle story that Jesus did, and I, I don't want to look at it and proclaim to you that you know what God can do miracles. I, I don't want to just say that uh, because I want to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, I believe God can do miracles. But this morning, I want to look at this account because I think it helps us put our trust in Jesus when things don't really always make sense. We don't understand what God is always doing. So here's a question I want to keep coming back to this morning. Do you have to understand everything to believe something? Because in all honesty, some things are just unexplainable. But at the same time, even though there's that uncertainty, I believe some things about God are just undeniable. And maybe, just maybe, the, the undeniable will help us to hold on to the word of God through the unexplainable. So let's jump into John Chapter 9, I want to start with verses 1 through 7. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents? We've, we've looked at this recently. Now, verse 3, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. 
But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go, wash yourself in the pool of Shalom. Shalom means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So right away, the disciples don't understand everything. They don't understand why this man is blind. And they probably don't know him well enough at this point to, to think that, they, that he's been blind for birth. It couldn't be his fault. So they asked Jesus, was it this man's fault that they don't know he was born blind, or was it his parents? Now, because we know, and the scripture tells us, that he was blind from birth. Everyone that knew that in that day would have assumed, I, I think, that his parents did something wrong, something sinful. And as punishment, God blinded their son. This man couldn't have done anything wrong because he was blind from birth. He didn't even have a chance to do something wrong, so it must have been his parents. Now, this man had never seen his mother. He had never seen his father. He had never seen a sunset or a sunrise. He had never seen a cat, <laughs> which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, I just feel better. You know, it's my first joke about a cat in the new building, and everything just seems right now. Um, but he, he couldn't get an education. He couldn't get a job. He was a beggar because he was born blind. Nobody really knows why. Everybody just assumes. The disciples are only doing what all of us do when we find a situation that we can't really Explain. We look for a reason. Th think about the situations that you encounter in just day-to-day -day life. Somebody gets caught up in drugs and alcohol, some teen, and someone, in, at least in the back of their mind, thinks this. I wonder what kind of parents they have. I, I wonder, did, did they contribute to that at all? Someone gets cancer and they think, I wonder if they smoked. And see, we, we want to believe that the world is just and right and good, so we look for reasons why situations are the way that they are. And Jesus drops the bomb on the disciples and says, listen, it's none of that. It's not because this man did anything wrong. God's not punishing him. It's not because of his parents. That's kind of unsettling, though, isn't it? Jesus, are you saying that this sort of thing just happens at random? Or are you saying that sometimes there is not an answer to the why question? But then Jesus actually answers the why question. He says, this man was born blind so that the power of God might be seen in him. Now, I, I don't know how you respond or react to that statement of Jesus, but if I was this blind man, or if I had a child that was blind, that wouldn't help me out at all. That, that's a lot of years to be blind. 
That's a lot of guilt to wonder, you know, what did we do that our son was born blind? What, what could I have done to, to, to make it so that he wasn't blind? Jesus, I don't, like, I don't understand. There's a lot of pain, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. But all through scripture, we see instances of God using situations that people don't understand to bring glory to his name. Joseph was told by God in visions and dreams that he would be a leader of his people. And right after that, he was thrown in a pit by his brothers and sold into slavery. He spent years in jail, hurting, wondering, away from his father, who he loved dearly. It didn't seem right, it wasn't fair, but eventually even Joseph saw the hand of God. He, he, he said to his brothers at one point, what you meant for harm, God meant for good, to, to save an entire race of people. All of God's people were saved through Joseph. Sometimes we just don't understand the big picture of what God is doing. But the question remains, do you have to understand everything to believe something? 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything in perfect clarity. All that I now know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. God's ways, as frustrating as it is, are truly higher than our ways. And we don't always see the big picture, the God picture but this, this, the scripture proclaims to us that we don't have to understand everything to believe some things. And then Jesus does something really weird, strange. He, he bends down and he makes some mud with his spit. And then he puts the spit mud on the guy's eyes and tells him to wash in the pool which we're told means sent. But if, if you notice with me, this guy hasn't said that he believes in Jesus. Not yet. We're not told his parents believed in Jesus. It, like other parables, we're not told that his friends believed in Jesus and then brought him to Jesus. He doesn't understand everything, but he doesn't have to understand everything to believe something. So when Jesus tells him to go and wash, he believes enough to be sent. And he goes and he washes. And he comes back, we assume, home, seeing. Now, honestly, we could camp out right there uh, for the rest of the message and celebrate that God does miracles even when we don't understand, that God can be up to something when we don't know what's going on. You just need a little faith to be sent to obey the voice of God, and he can do a miracle in your life. But I wanna, I wanna dig just a little bit deeper this morning. Look at verses eight through 10. His neighbors 
and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them the man they called Jesus made mud. I like how he leaves out the spit part. Like, I wouldn't tell people that either. Um, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Shiloh and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. You, you, you can almost hear the excitement in this guy's voice. He, he, it says, he kept saying, it's me. I, I'm the one. I can see. Honest, it's me. From, from his point of view, everybody should have gone and got cake. Like, we should be celebrating, we should be having a party, I'm your neighbor, I was blind, now I can see, let's be happy, would you be happy for me, let's dance, I can see, and his neighbors are like, wait, are you sure it's you? What happened? Are, are you sure you're the blind guy that used to beg? What'd you say the name of the guy was that healed you? How'd he do that? And then... They hauled him off to the religious leaders for more questioning. No celebration. No, hey, let's celebrate what God's doing in your life. We need, we need the religious leaders to examine you about this. John 9, 13 through 17. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath, oh, that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put mud over my eyes. Notice he left out the spit part again. And when I washed, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. For he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Can, can you imagine what's going through his, his mind as he's listening to these leaders debating? He, he must be thinking, listen, I couldn't see. Like, I was born in darkness, I was born blind. I, I don't understand everything, true enough. I, I didn't even see Jesus because I was still blind when I was in front of him. But one thing is undeniable. I can now see. This guy has to be a prophet. Like, I couldn't see, now I can see. He must be a prophet, not a sinner. The Pharisees are all stressed out because Jesus healed them on the Sabbath. To them, that was a no-no. Obviously, it wasn't a problem to Jesus, and that was even bigger of a no-no for them. In their minds, they had God all figured out, and he fit nicely into the little box they had made for him. The Pharisees had defined really, really clearly what it meant to keep the Sabbath holy, you couldn't heal someone on the Sabbath. In their minds, that was work. You couldn't make mud 
on the Sabbath. Because in, that, in their mind, that was work. They had also spelled out what rest meant, what God meant by rest on the Sabbath. You couldn't make mud. You couldn't even take a certain number of steps. But you can't put God in a box. If God doesn't specify how many steps you can take on the Sabbath, well, then you can't come up with a number and enforce everybody to stay under it. But see, they had crammed God in such a tight little box that they couldn't conceive God working in any other way than inside of this little box. And the truth is, just because you don't understand doesn't mean that God's not up to something. In fact, I would go one step farther and say when we don't understand something, God is actually doing the most then. I'm telling you, that's good preaching. I don't know if you ever noticed this before, but I often preach better than you respond. Uh, it's okay if you say amen once in a while. I know it might be out of the comfort zone, but you're not going to interrupt me most of the time because I wear two hearing aids. I'm not even going to hear you, but it's okay. God is often doing more when you don't understand, and it's okay. God is often doing the most when we don't and when we understand the least. When you're going through the ringer and praying like crazy, pleading with God to do something, believe me, he is at work. Now, I want to summarize verses 18 through 23. You can read it at home. Uh, what's going on in these verses is the Jews didn't believe that this man was born blind. Uh, just like his neighbors didn't, they wrestled with it. The Jews are like, I, you know, I'm not sure. So they call in his parents. And when his parents got there, they said, yep, that's our boy. And he was born blind. But his parents didn't want to answer the Pharisees' question, how did this son of yours receive his sight? Because they knew that the Pharisees had already determined that anyone who put their faith in Jesus as the Christ, they were going to get kicked out of the synagogue. It's kind of like me finding out that you've got something going on and saying, ah, oh, you can't come back here. Uh, we, we really don't want you in worship anymore because, you know, you might pollute the rest of the group. If you put your faith in Jesus, they've already decided you can't come back here. So his parents said, you know what, he's a big boy, ask him. So they bring him back in, verse 24. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Their point is, he worked on the Sabbath and wasn't resting like we thought he should be. Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? That's the last straw. <laughs> then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. 
We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange. It, you can almost see the little pushback uh, coming from the blind man. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. See, he's, he's listened to this his entire life. We know God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will ever since the world began. No one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. The Pharisees respond, you were born a total sinner. They answered, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. This former blind man takes the Pharisees to school, and he says, look, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I don't know about all these Sabbath rules and how much of a problem that is for God. There are things I don't know, but one thing is absolutely undeniable to me. A little bit ago, probably a couple hours ago, I was in total darkness, and now I see. There will always be things you don't understand about God. Don't let that undermine your faith. Instead of looking for things that are unexplainable, look for things that are absolutely undeniable. You don't have to understand everything to believe some things. What, what do we know for sure? You ever wonder about that? What, what do you know for sure? I can give you a couple. Um, you exist. You are here. It's undeniable. If you took philosophy in college and you want to debate that, uh, I know there are schools of thought that think maybe we don't exist, but I think the people who thought that up probably smoked too, many, too much weed or something. But we exist. I'll give you a couple more. Um, cow makes a good dinner. Burgers on the grill, I'm telling you, it, it just does. Uh, plants make a good dinner. Dogs are more obedient than cats. It is undeniable. A couple more. Somehow, this earth that we are sitting on is spinning pretty fast, and none of us are dizzy. The sun comes up, the rains come down, life goes on, vegetation grows, animals, people, kissing, babies, the whole thing. And in my mind, these are undeniable truths that could have only come about from two possible ways. There's a creator who created it all, or it's an absolute freak accident, and something, everything we see, came from nothing. And if that's true, there's no purpose, there's no meaning other than the one you create in your own mind. But to me, this world and the order and the beauty that we see just screams that there is a creator. To me, it is absolutely undeniable. It's also undeniable to me that a Jewish carpenter came. It, it, he, he taught, he preached, he was killed on a cross in Rome, in Jerusalem, by the Romans. It, you can read about it 
in the history books. You can read about it from a guy by the name of Josephus, who was a Jewish historian. He didn't even believe in Jesus, but he wrote about him because it's undeniable that he was here. It's also undeniable to me that he rose from the dead. You know how I believe that and why I think that's undeniable? Because all of his disciples were willing to die for the truth that he was risen from the dead. They all saw him alive after they saw him die. I posted uh, their stories on Facebook this week. Mark, one of the 12 disciples, was dragged until his body was ripped limb from limb because of his belief in the resurrection. Luke was hanged on an olive tree by priests in Greece. Peter, tradition tells us, was crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to die like Jesus. James was beheaded. James the Lesser was stoned at the age of 94. And when he didn't die at 94 after being stoned, they beat him with a club until he died. And the only one of the disciples that didn't die a martyr's death was John, who miraculously survived being dipped in boiling oil for his faith in Jesus. It is undeniable that these men believed in the risen Christ. No one in their right mind would be willing to die for a lie that far-fetched that a man came back from the dead. It's undeniable to me that the message of Christianity spread throughout the globe and that Thousands of years later, a third of the world's population believes that a Jewish carpenter died for the sins of the world, that he rose again, and somehow we can go to be with God for eternity because he loved us that much. It's undeniable that Christ changed me. It's undeniable that Christ changed many of you. Story upon story of person upon person being changed by the Holy Spirit. It's undeniable. You might not understand it. You may not even agree with it, but you've got to acknowledge that God is doing something. Some things you may not understand but you don't have to understand everything to believe something. Everybody wants to debate, well, maybe God this and maybe God that and maybe, maybe he's not the only and the formerly blind man states it clearly, I think. I don't understand everything, but one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. And once he proclaimed it, they threw him out of the synagogue this is Jesus' response. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? He, see, he still hasn't seen him. I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. 
but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. So when there is something in life, and there is always something in life, one of those potentially faith-wrecking situations, hold on to the fact that you might not understand everything, but you don't need to understand everything to believe something. What if God is using that time of not understanding to bring his name glory? Hold on to the undeniable. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks that your Holy Spirit can bring healing to our bodies. And God, that, that we don't have to have you all figured out for even that to happen. And we don't always understand, but like this man who was blind, Jesus, we want to believe. We want to see Jesus clearly. Help us to focus on the undeniable. Jesus, you came and you died, and you rose so that we could have life. With this man, all those years ago, we worship you this day. We sing your praises. We fall at your feet. We ask that you use our story to bring you glory. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.